welcome to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, the official podcast of hardcore bowhunters. From the latest archery equipment and expert shooting advice to proven bowhunting tactics and the sport's biggest personalities, we've got you covered. Now, here's your host, Editor Christian Bird. All right, welcome back to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio. We are the voice of bowhunting, and today we're not only the voice of bowhunting, but we are the soundtrack of bowhunting, because I have with me today uh, a guest that I am really excited about. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a long time, and I think that you guys are going to enjoy it too, because on the other end of the line, I've got Mr. Jimmy Herman, uh, fiddle player extraordinaire. Uh, You've worked with... With, uh, many, many of the, the biggest names in Nashville and have been touring with Carrie Underwood for a number of years now. Jimmy, thanks so much for being on Peterson's Bowhunting Radio. Well, hey, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, one of the coolest parts of being in the position that I have is I get to meet people from all different walks of life that share this common passion that we have for hunting animals, you know, with bow and arrow. And uh, it's just really cool to be able to rub shoulders with all kinds of folks. And, and you're one of the, the more interesting people that, you know, in my opinion, that we've had the, <laughs> the privilege to have. So. Um, oh, that's awesome. I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, I was looking, I mean, I was just looking at your website a little bit. I'm like, this guy has, like, played with everybody, you know, from, from you know, Vince Gill and Randy Travis to, obviously, Carrie and Keith Urban. And I'm just looking at this list, Lady Antebellum and uh, Little Big Town. And, I mean, you've, you've been doing everything, and you've played everywhere. It's like Royal Albert Hall and the Opera House in Sydney and, you know, yeah. Madison Square Garden. It, it, dude, I'm just jealous tell me about it I, I when I would hear you say that I'm like it's like so surreal but yeah I mean it's, it's all that stuff happened and it's, it's been I've been blessed my whole life and yeah things been great so I know from looking at your website that you are originally from Wisconsin obviously you you call Nashville home now but uh, right. tell me about, you know, it says you started playing the fiddle when you were like four years old or something. Is that right? I did, yeah. I started when I was four. And I've never never put it down. And I'm, and I'm only 21. So I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm older. I was, was going to believe yeah, you. Don't screw around with me like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's pretty crazy because yeah, I've been playing. Man, I've been. It's, I've been playing over 30 years, which is scary. But I started when I was four, so. So how good, I mean, yeah. how good can a four-year-old be on the fiddle? Were you like a prodigy? Mm-hmm. I don't know about that. Uh, I, I was funny, when I was, I was back in Wisconsin at my mom's house for Christmas, and we found an old VHS tape of me playing in church when I was, I don't know, uh, six. And it, uh, it was, you know, it, you can make out the, the tune, but there were some squeaks and squawks in there, so. Um, so, yeah, it, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't the greatest music to listen to. I'm sure. <laughs> so, from humble beginnings, greatness is born, right? Oh my gosh, yes! I can't tell you how many hours I sat in my room and played and played and played and practiced. You know, so it wasn't like I could just pick it up and play everything. Now, was there a musical background in your family? Yeah. So my grandpa. Uh, play fiddle and my dad had a uh, actually I grew up playing polka music so my dad had an old time polka slash uh, classic country band 
because he played bass and then I played fiddle through it, you know, and uh, yeah, um, my dad's side was pretty musical. And uh, so, so it was very much uh, country, country music uh, influenced. And you just started, you know, obviously with your dad and his band. And then as you got older, you got typical kind of thing. Like in high school, you got together with your buddies and figured out like. Well, yeah. I mean, when, in high school, I started playing like top forty bands. So I mean, we played a lot of bars and clubs. You know, uh, we traveled a lot. Um, but yeah, man, um, that's when I kind of picked up, uh, more instruments too in high school, like mandolin and banjo, and I played a lot of electric guitar. You know, I got turned on Led Zeppelin, and that was my, it was game over. I was all into rock and roll after that, you know? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I was a big Led Zeppelin yeah. guy in high school too, so. Oh, yeah. Um, so, so your music is, you know, you're kind of doing, it sounds honestly like at that stage in your life, I mean, somewhat typical stuff for a teenage guy who's into playing music and bands and whatnot and and then talk a little bit about the hunting because I think you also got grounded in hunting at a pretty young age too obviously Wisconsin is well known yeah. you know, as a whitetail hunting you know hotbed so right well so my dad my, bro- uh, my brother my brother uh, hunt still and my uh, I went with my dad and my brother when I was you know four, five, six years old um, and you know they, they were big time hunters and I grew up in Trempeleau County uh, in a little town called Whitehall which is um, one county over from Buffalo County which is uh, like the big whitetail mecca right absolutely so, yeah uh, I'd, I'd like to say I'd like to say when I was hunting when I was younger like all those big bucks came over but they it, they didn't there was definitely like a fence line <laughs> like the big bucks not such, such big bucks but um, anyway yeah I went hunting with my dad and my brother a lot and they and they got me turned on to bow hunting and, and uh, I mean it, it's, it's stuck ever since so I don't think I've ever really missed a hunting season since you know started hunting when I, you know, you get a license when you're 12, so I do all the hunter safety stuff and uh, started hunting when I was 12 and hunted ever since. Awesome. And so you start out gun hunting or you get into the bow right away? How did that happen? Uh, I think, well, I started gun hunting first because uh, I turned I turned 12 in November, so it was like towards the end of bow season, but... Uh, yeah, so my first year was rifle hunting, and then as soon as I could get a bow, I got a bow, and, and I did both for the long time. I still rifle hunt, but uh, if you ask me what my favorite is, it's definitely bow hunting. But, uh, yeah, so that's it. So you work with a bow in the field, and you work with the bow on stage, but it's just a different bow, huh? It is. It is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to tell you, I am, I am actually, it's funny, you talk to people who know me. Unfortunately, I was not blessed with a whole lot of musical ability, and uh, I'm pretty tone deaf, to be honest with you, but I always thought that if I could play an instrument, I would like to be able to play the fiddle, because being able to just absolutely go ballistic like on a good you know fiddle jam would be something I wish I could experience for once in my life so I'm going to have to live vicariously through you 
That's all right, man. I mean, fiddle is probably, not just because I play it, but it's one of the hardest instruments to master because there's so much technique in it. More technique than just learning notes and things like that, you know? So it's, it's one of those things like you have to make, keep maintaining it. Otherwise, there are certain things that kind of lag after a while, but um, it's an awesome instrument. I mean, it's, it's one of the most um, emotional instruments I think there is, you know? Yeah, so how, how often do you, you know, practice, even if you're on tour, say, and you're going to be playing a show almost every night, will you do a lot of playing in addition to that to that concert? Yeah, uh, I mean, when we're on tour, I take my fiddle, I mean, I, I live in my fiddle, so, like, most instruments go on the, on the semis and the trucks, where, I mean, I keep it in my bunk with me in the bus, so I take it in the hotel room, and I'll, I'll, you know, I'll practice not all day, but I'll practice, you know, the day of shows. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm always playing it. And um, <clears throat> tell me a little bit about uh, being on tour with Carrie Underwood. She's she's kind of well-known as somebody who's not necessarily, like, the hugest fan of hunting, right? How does that mesh with being around her all the time? Uh, uh, well, I mean, she knows I hunt, and I know where she stands, and we have, I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, I, I, I totally get both sides of it, and uh, she's cool with it, so as long as she's cool with it, I'm cool with it, and, uh, and that's, you know, it's, yeah, it doesn't affect um, the music side of things, so. Sure. Um, well, it's not like, exactly, and it's not like you guys have to talk hunting all the time. <laughs> Oh no, 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 not at all. And you know, we all we all do our own things on the road. You know what I mean? So um, you know, it's a bunch of just different personalities all coming together for the for the same cause. So uh, I've been with Carrie for in, you know, over ten years now. So it's been awesome. She's she's awesome, awesome to work for. That's great. Yeah, and um, you know what's uh, you talk about over ten years, and I don't remember exactly how long she's kind of been, you know, as big as she is now. Um, were you with her just as it was starting to get crazy? Uh, yeah, I came in right at the beginning of the second record, which I believe is called Carnival Ride. Was the was the second record? Um, yeah, and it, it was it was it just went bonkers after that. Yeah, um, we played all over the world. I mean, we've been playing stadiums for, like I said, like ten years, and traveled to you know the UK and Australia, New Zealand, and Singapore. Man, I've been. It seems like I've been everywhere. <laughs> and uh, so, how many days of the year are you typically on the road? Mm, okay, so last tour last year. Um, I was home 40, um, I, roughly like 40 days for the whole year, you know, 12 months. So, uh, I just do the math, but, you know, I'm, I'm gone most of the time. Wow. And, uh, now are you married? Do you have a family? Yeah, I'm married and have two kids, a five and a seven year old. So, uh, and they, they're, they're all old enough to, to understand what's going on. So, you know, it, it gets tougher the older they get to be gone that much, but that's just part of it. Do they travel with you sometimes? Uh, they do sometimes. If it's if it's if the shows are relatively close, like within four to six hours, you know, I'll I'll, I'll actually ride with them. I'll drive drive with them and take a couple shows, and I'll hang on the bus and hang backstage. But uh, man, we travel so much; it's really tough for them, you know, to 
I travel that much too. So yeah. Now, what about? So let's jump over to the hunting then. I mean, you're on the road, and you know you're hardly ever home. When do you find time to do the hunting? And do you like? You know, if you let's say you guys are touring through uh, Iowa in November, mm-hmm. you know, are you actually sitting in a tree stand during the day and then getting over to the arena for the concert? Uh, that's been known to happen for sure. Uh, it kind of depends on where we're at and time of year. You know, like um, I've had several, I've had several days off in like Boise, Idaho, let's say, and like it'll be like September during you know. Like, the elk season and if I have a few days to spend somewhere I'll typically get a tag and go out but if I only have a day or so like I I mean after touring for several years I've got it seems like I have friends everywhere right especially hunting buddies so uh, if I even have one day off I'll meet up with a buddy and we'll go scout or something you know mm-hmm. um, but if I, if, if I can get out for a couple of days I'll for sure get a tag and go out and what about uh, what about back home? Do you have like a place where you can hunt, or uh, you know, I know like uh, a lot of folks in the industry, you know, there's quite a bit of good hunting there in northern Tennessee and Kentucky and yeah. things like that. Yeah, so um, I'm pretty fortunate. Uh, we live on some land just north of Nashville, so uh, we got several acres I can hunt here. And actually, I went out this morning, um, but. Uh, man, when I'm touring, uh, I rely pretty heavily on trail cameras, you know, because if I do get home and can hunt a couple of days, it's, uh, I mean, I rely heavily, heavily on, you know, what the deer do and buy trail cameras, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I'll try and get home to Wisconsin to hunt the rut, definitely, um, like the first week of November, if I, if I can. But, um, yeah, I, I do it whenever I can, especially when I'm playing music. So, how many days a year, you know, like I know you probably travel like 320 days a year. How many days of the year do you think you get to actually get out in the field? Uh, well, this this year has been kind of an, uh, a, you know, an off year for the touring thing. So, I've gotten to hunt most of the Tennessee season. Uh, I didn't get to make it up to Wisconsin. Um, I mean, typically... I mean, I, I could probably hunt, like, this year, definitely a solid 30 days, you know, of hunting. Gotcha. How have you made out this season? you have some success? Man, I, it's been really tough. Any of, the, any of the big shooters that I've been after have all been moving at night. And then, of course, when I'm out of town, I've had a couple of pictures of, of a couple of them, uh, you know, midday. But it's been, it's been pretty slow for me, i got to be honest. Well, you know, you have years like that, and don't feel bad because, you know, even when you're the editor of a bow hunting magazine, you still have days that you're sitting at your desk and the trail camera is sending you pictures of the deer that you want to shoot that's in front of your stand. Oh, yeah. So, guess oh, what? Yeah. Even if you're in the hunting industry, you're not always out there at the right time. <laughs> right. You know, and the thing is, like, you know, you're hunting unpredictable animals and, uh, you know, you're at the mercy of the weather and... And all sorts of things, all sorts of variables, but it's just one of those things that you just try and apply the skills that you learn, you know. And it's, I mean, as hunters, we go out when you learn. It's like if you can learn something every day, like that, just it's just something else to put in your in your pocket for when when you you need to apply certain skills, you know, when when the time comes. But uh, yeah, man, it's it's just part of it. We're all human, and I'm definitely not the best hunter. I definitely have to work at it, but. I think my passion definitely steps in on the, you know, the weaknesses I do have, so. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, and looking at your blog a little bit, it seems like one of the big things that you're into is the fitness side of things. And I read an article that you had uh, on there, and I'll kind of paraphrase it, and then I'll let you respond. Basically, what I took out of it, and it was really good, is you're saying, if I think something's going to make me better as a bow hunter, I'm going to do that. And I don't really care what anybody else thinks. And I'm like, you know, that's how we all need to be, whether it's bow hunting or any area of life, you know. And I think specifically you were talking about uh, some kind of a mask you wear for training. It's maybe something that right. boosts your, your cardio training or something. But I was like, that's a great message. You know what I mean? Like, whatever you think you need to do to be better, to be better prepared, to be ready to take advantage yeah. of an opportunity when it comes, that's what you need to be doing. Um, well, it, it is, yeah. Because, I mean, the thing is, is um, you, you got to have confidence when you're going out there. You know what I mean? So whatever it takes to, for one, make you physically capable of, you know, main, uh, you know maintaining whatever you If you're hunting in the mountains, you know what I mean? Like, if you need to, um, you know, if you're climbing any sort of altitude, like, I mean, you got to be able to uh, do it. So um, whatever it takes for you to be comfortable and confident in whatever's needs needs to be done. Like, I mean, that's, uh, didn't do it. Yeah. What, uh, what's your training regimen like? Do you, you know, do physical training, you know, all year round, whether it's for, you know, bow hunting or performing? Yeah. Uh, when it comes to hunting, I'm more into the functional side of stuff, you know, like, like I said, if I have a hunt coming up, like say like you're up under your elk hunt in September, like in you know like I'll go to Idaho. So for me, I do a lot of functional stuff like kettlebells, and then like the training mask thing. So the whole thing with the training mask is it simulates altitude, you know, altitude because like Tennessee, we're really low down here, right? So uh, it just restricts the oxygen intake. So you look like Darth Vader, right, when you go to the gym and people are like looking at you and taking pictures, but. Um, the thing is, is um, if you can, for me, like it, it, it almost acclimates your your lungs to to those altitudes, right? So I'll I'll do that. I'll do a lot of kettlebells and just the thing, just things to help you know make those obstacles and the terrain a little easier on the body, you know. Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. So, yeah, I mean, you're you're definitely like, and you talked about it in there, you know, and you had mentioned it earlier, like you don't feel like you're like a natural when it comes to this. You're not like some world-class athlete, you know, you, you said like, you know, you're not that big. It's hard for yeah. you to, you know, do a lot of working out and stuff. It's like, but you've obviously, you know, put in the, you know, the effort and you've been pretty successful with it. Well, yeah, and I mean, it's it, the same thing goes for the music side of things. Like, it, I, I have to work at it. You know what I mean? Like, certain, some things come natural, and some things don't. You know, and so the so the things I it doesn't come so natural. I really have to put the effort into. You know, and being on the road um, and trying to train for for a hunt. You know, we don't have like the best. You know, hotels don't have the best gyms in the world, right? So you have to really improvise. So like, I'll bring weights on the bus with me, like kettlebells, and I'll bring a uh, pull-up bar and stuff like that but when you're when you're kind of at the mercy for limited um, equipment you, have to, you know you kind of have to um, make up a lot of things so a lot of the stuff I do is body weight you know a lot, a lot of reps um, but yeah 
yeah. but I, you know there's it's, it's pretty amazing what you can do with just body weight and a pull-up bar <laughs> and what about uh, what about playing a show how, how good of a workout is that because it always seems like you guys work oh up a pr- pretty good lather up there yeah we all move pretty uh, move through most of the show so uh, man those stage those lights are hot you know, so we're we're just like dripping after ninety minutes of playing. But yeah, it's a, it's a good cardio workout for sure. Do you get Do you get out of breath when you're playing? Uh, certain times. If I there's a couple times where I have to like sprint. You know, um, but. Uh, it's definitely it's definitely not like hunting. <laughs> That's for sure. It's not it's not quite as strenuous as an elk hunt or something like that. No, no, not quite. I mean, almost, but not quite. <laughs> gotcha. What about uh, what about the equipment side of things? Uh, tell me about you know the bow that you shoot and um, maybe you know a couple of things that you find to be really important for you whether it's a a technique that you use to help you shoot better or a particular you know piece of equipment or something like that that you really feel makes a difference for you uh, out in the field okay well um i've been shooting hoyt for the last few years um i shoot the carbon defiant and uh it's i mean it's a great bow super fast uh super quiet and then I shoot um, Black Eagle arrows, the X impacts, which are the um, micro diameter shafts. And then to me, this is okay. So here's where the controversy kicks in, okay? But for broadheads, I use um, the uh, Valkyrie uh, system, which I don't know if you're familiar with or not, but it's uh, they're they're heavy broadheads, but um, they give you maximum FOC. So I shoot uh, 300 grain broadheads. So my finished arrow weight's about, you know, 630, 630 grains. Um, and I use that for everything, I'm from turkeys to deer to elk to whatever. Um, and I shot my buck last year um, here in Tennessee with those, with that setup. And if there had been three bucks standing shoulder to shoulder, it, it would have blown through all three of them. Easy. I, I was going to say, 630 grain arrow with a 300 grain broadhead on the front, that's going to go through your buck, it's going to chop down yeah. a couple cherry trees, and then... Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 It will. It's it will. a serious yeah. kinetic energy coming out of that sucker. It's some serious kinetic energy, and yeah, okay, it makes the bow a little slower, but the other thing is that the arrows... Like that with that weight, it really deadens the bow too. You know what I mean? So um, you can't. I'm not gonna say that. Oh, the deer never jumped the string. But I mean, even when you're shooting, you know, a lot of lighter arrow setup, and you know, shooting 300 feet per second. I mean, stuff happens. You know, deer can jump a string too. So, uh, but for me, here's the here's okay. So for me, I'm confident in that setup. 100% confident. So no matter what somebody tells me. They're like, oh, that's, you know, like, your bow's too slow, and, you know, that's ridiculous. That's overkill. Okay, great. That's what you think. But for me, it's a great setup, perfect setup for me. Well, honestly, I would think, you know, it's funny because I'm one who generally uh, preaches the idea of erring on the side of a heavier arrow versus a lighter. And, uh, you know, my arrow, I only draw 60 pounds. I don't know what, do you draw 70? Or, mm-hmm. right. You're seventy. 
Yes, sir. Gotcha. Okay, so you're you know you're pulling ten more pounds than I do. I just shoot six. I can draw a seventy pound bow, but I usually just shoot sixty pound bows. It's really nice and easy. Yeah. And um, well, yeah. And I and, and I shoot a four hundred and twenty grain arrow, and I'm typically you know at four twenty, so I'm like two hundred grains lighter, but I four twenty still you know a decent weight, and I'm getting like two hundred seventy five feet per second usually out of my bows. Um, right. Right. But yeah, I mean, I definitely think you want to, you want to, you know, go heavier. And I would think your setup, anything inside of thirty yards, I would say that the speed and any trajectory differences is pretty negligible. As you know, not important really for whitetail hunting purposes. That's a great setup. You might, you yeah. know, and, you know, I don't know if you would want to take that on an antelope hunt, but otherwise, you know, I would think it would be really good. You know, certainly for elk it's going to be dead nuts you know if you if you hit them where you want to hit them there's no way that you're not going to get great penetration with that right 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 and that's what it, that's just what it comes down to you know I mean and I, and like I said it's, it's, it's where the where your confidence lies you know what I mean so I don't I you know if I I mean, even if I know I hit bone, like hit the, like hit the shoulder or something like that, you know what I mean? I would still know I would get plenty of penetration. Oh yeah, you would. You um, bust right through. And is that that broadhead? I, I'm not familiar with it. The Valkyrie is it a like a fixed blade head? It is a fixed blade, and it's de- you, you've got to check it out. And it has a uh, on the back side of the broadhead. It's all one piece of steel, but there's a uh, just a shaft that goes inside the arrow shaft. Uh, that screws in so that so it um, distributes all that weight uh, I mean I don't know roughly you know four or five inches you know what I'm saying yeah so is that the maker uh, so that, Valkyrie is that the, the brand or the model Valkyrie no that's the brand yeah and I'm shooting uh, the the Jagger broadhead that's the model gotcha so it's a Valkyrie Jagger yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Gotcha. Yeah, uh, yeah, and like, you know, like saying like drawing sixty pounds, man. The thing is, is like we can shoot all we can shoot all day long in the backyard, right? Either in the summer or in the fall. But like you get in these, you know, especially like late season archery and you're sitting in the stand and it gets cold mm-hmm. and it's you know like you're, you're layered up and it, that 60 pounds gets kind of a little tougher to, to draw back and then the thing is is like you draw back and it's who knows how long you, have to, you might have to wait for a deer to clear some brush or whatever you know what I mean so yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely it's all it's all like you said it's all about you know confidence is huge you know confidence is huge and that that's whether you're bow hunting or whether you're going on stage you know imagine because you know and I'm, I'm sure you've been there in both places I, I can't speak for going on stage but I know you know I've had times in my life where I was struggling you know with my shooting and when you go out for a hunt and you're not confident that's not very fun you know what I mean so oh, no. yeah. <laughs> when you when you find yeah. the setup that gives you confidence and really comfortable. Stick with that, you know, and don't let it, it, it. don't let everyone else try to talk you out of doing what works for you. You know, within exactly. reason. Exactly. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's certain you know, there's certain techniques like for anything, right? Uh, for musical instruments or shooting, whatever. It's, there's there's certain fundamental techniques that you need to have and maintain, but it comes to a point where what's comfortable and what works for you 
like just let it work for you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure, you know, you know, a lot of other fiddle players in the industry, right? And oh yeah, you guys, you guys hang out sometimes and you, you play together or, you know, you have a jam session and you talk about, you know, what you like to do and why you like to do it. And I'm sure you could name for me, you know, a bunch of other fiddle players that you think are just as good as you. And you know that they like to do certain things a little bit different than you like to do them. And that doesn't make them any worse. You know what I mean? Because like you say, there's the basics, there's the fundamentals, and then there's a whole bunch of other stuff that's just, you know, what works for you. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, like for for me, I took took some lessons as a kid, but I I learned everything by ear, by how to play. So um, I, I don't read notes very well. I don't read charts very well. And then I'm I play alongside guys that you know some guys have uh, college degrees and music theory and all that stuff. And like you could say like here's a here's a chart for a song for this song, and I'll look at it in the in the first five seconds. I look like oh man, cool that's Chinese. Like cause that's what it looks like to me. And so I like can like sit with it and decode it and whatever. But uh, the thing is, is like we're you know, playing like in a band, you have guys from all over the country, different, you know, different backgrounds and whatever, and they all, everyone learns different. Um, but, you know, you can have the same skill level and just learn a different way. That, that makes me want to jump way off topic and down a rabbit trail, but I have to ask the question because you've piqued my curiosity <laughs> yeah. now. So when you have a new song, so like when, you know, because do you, you play in the studio and record the records with Carrie too, as well as going on the road? With uh, I, I haven't played on any of her records, but I have played on people's records, yeah. For sure. Okay, so so you're gonna if you're gonna go into the studio and record, you know, with somebody for a record, you obviously have to learn those songs before you guys go into record. So if somebody hands you a brand new song that you've never heard before and say, "Hey, we want to we want to play this," and they just how do you learn that then if you don't like read the music? Do you listen to a demo tape and then just like play back what you're hearing, or how does that work? Yeah, it kind of, it kind of depends on the situation, but uh, typically, um, so Nashville has uh, what they call a number system. So the number system is whatever uh, key you're playing in. There's, you know, there's only seven uh, other notes. So uh, they'll, they'll try our song. They'll, they'll play like a demo. So it's like an acoustic guitar and a vocal. And what you do is like if it's a a chord you you hit you write down like number one for a so there'd be like a would be one c would be three um d chord would be number four and so on so whenever the chord changes in the song you write the number for each uh for each bar each measure so um you can there's guys that are really great at this but you can listen do a song like a demo one time and chart the whole song out from beginning to end mm-hmm. with any you know with any little nuances and all that stuff there's there's symbols for all that stuff so like um, there, there's a secret there's a secret shorthand code for for guys like you exactly <laughs> exactly that's that's exactly right and once you have that song charted with all the symbols and everything I mean you can you can record a song like like right there Wow, that's so, cool. Uh, and, and, and that's what happens in most cases, you know what I mean? It's not like, 
you know, session musicians go home and take a song home and learn it in a couple of days. I mean, they're look, they're hearing it for the first time, most most of the time for the first time right there in the studio. They'll chart it out, sit down, and then they'll play through it a couple of times, and that's and that's typically what you hear on the records. Wow. So that's like a skill in itself then that there's certain guys that like they spe- oh, yeah. they specialize in being able to go in cold and learn stuff that quickly and then do a really good cut just like that. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. It's it's I wish everyone could see uh see that happen in the studio. It'd blow your mind. Wow. Yeah, it would. It would. I, yeah. wish, I wish there was something like that for bow hunting, right? Where you could just take somebody. And <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. it, it's amazing, you know, even it'll be 10 years in here in 2018 for me as the editor here at the magazine. And I still, you know, I think what a blessing it's been for the past decade and all the things I've learned just from being around us and the people that I get to work with, you know, people who are much more, you know, accomplished than me when it comes to, you know, competitive archery or even, you know, bow hunting experience just because they've been at it so much longer than I have. Um, it takes a long, long time, you know, to, to, to become, you know, what you want to be. And then even then, you never completely stop learning. And again, I'm sure that's a, another parallel, you know, between your your music and, and the bow hunting because you never completely master everything. Well, right. And the thing, and the thing is, is uh, it's like it's bow hunting or, or music. It's like if you surround yourself with people who are better than you at things that you're striving to accomplish, I mean, you, you, ha- you, you will automatically get better at your craft. You know, just by the things you learn and like, oh, I didn't, like even just by observing or listening, it's certain things you pick up on and then start, you know, applying in your own situations and you're like, you know, and that's, and that's kind of how everybody gets better. Yeah, there's no doubt. So, yeah, I mean, being, being able to read, you know, everything that a guy like Randy Ulmer, you know, sends me and then have an opportunity to even talk to him personally when I need advice, that's, you know, that's huge, you know, and then to be able to turn around and with, you know, my my hunting buddies here at home or just uh, various people that I might meet, you know, through social media or whatever, you kind of, it's kind of weird when you start to get to that point where you're like, well, now people are coming to me for advice you know and you start to think oh boy I really do I know a lot more than I used to you know and now I can look at people and say you know hey, you might want to try this or you might want to think about doing that and and it's just that's how you know other people build into you and then you can build into other people well right and it's yeah like you said like we're always learning you know and I, I like I'm the kind of guy where like if there's more to learn I, like, I'm excited to learn especially things obviously things you're passionate about you know and then the, the other thing is like it gets kind of scary when people ask you for your advice you know and and you give them you give me your advice and, and and most of the time people ask questions and it's it's, it's the things that you kind of overlook you know um starting out or getting into a craft or, or, you know, something where you're like, I never thought about that. And then that was under my nose the whole time. But it took talking to this one person that I really um, admire, you know what I mean, for what they've accomplished or whatever, for them to point out something that 
I totally never even thought of before. Oh, it's so... You know what? What you just said made me think of my backhand in tennis. And this is going back a long, long ways. When I was in Uh high school... I played tennis and I struggled so much with my backhand. And Mm -hmm. when I went to college, the coach had like this new, it's like you said, it was just, he had me do like a different exercise to teach me this backhand and to get the feel for the stroke. And it was like all of a sudden that light bulb went off, you know, and then that became, you know, such a strength for me as opposed to such a weakness in my game. And yeah, I mean, sometimes it just takes, but the point is, but you can never stop searching, right? You always, like you say, you've got to always have that willingness to learn and be open, you know, to that. To trying those different things until you find what kind of makes that click. Well, that's it. That's it. And, and the thing about hunting is, like, it's not if, if you're you're after something that's unpredictable. I mean, there are certain things that, are like, okay, this makes the most sense, right? To go at this time of the day, or um, you know, where the animal, where the deer are, and stuff like that. But it's one of those things, like, it's not. It's, it's certain certain things you can't you can apply that one thing that will work for this situation will work for the next situation you know what I mean mm-hmm. it's like rattling it's like rattling the bucks one day you know you got this buck that'll just come in on a string and then the next day you're rattling and the, the deer doesn't want anything to do with you you know and it's like you didn't do anything different no, absolutely. Um, and, 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 you know, you know not, there's no, and the thing I always come back to is that there's no substitute for experience. The more time that you can spend in the field, the more encounters that you can have with animals, and the more successes that you have, and the more failures that you have, the more comfortable you're going to become with all those situations. And you actually learn, you know, a couple of things happen. One, you learn to slow things down. You know, when you're a new boat, you're so you're like you know so amped up you know what I mean you're like a tight wire that's gonna pop at any moment you know and as you gain experience you learn to like as the situation's unfolding right you're anticipating better you're thinking two three steps ahead of what's actually happening and you become like in command of the situation versus like just reacting to everything and the only way you can do that is by going out and taking your lumps early on. Well, that's it. And, it, and the thing is, is like you know, certain things. It as it comes together, it's like effortless. And you're like, you look back, and you're like, I don't even know how that happened because it just, it just, like I said, it's just effortless. But the thing is, too, is like you go out and like say you're stalking a whitetail, right? And he's in his bed or something. You get within 15 yards, and you know, there's something happens. He blows out of there, and you're like, oh, what, like. I should have been more patient or whatever. But the thing is, like, if you if you had the if you you know experienced certain situations, you can go into and be like, you know what, I did I did everything right. But the thing is, like, that deer or those elk or whatever, they're they're trying to survive, man. You know what I mean? Like, uh, life's life's a little more important to them than it is you in that moment. You know what I mean? Uh, so there's certain things you go into and like when stuff doesn't work out it's like well at least I did everything I, po- I could have done po- you know possible that, that's where my skill level is at you know and then there's certain things when there's when something gets blown and, you're, and you can learn from it it's almost more exciting once you I, I want to say that it's, it's Sometimes you get even more excited to go back and try again when certain things happen. And you're like, oh, and, and you figure out that last chess piece, 
you know, through like a like a momentary fail. That makes any sense. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it adds some more drama and it adds some more anticipation, you know. I mean, think about it, anything. It's, uh, uh, you know, if you play a sport and you you lose to a, a really good team, like, couple two three times in a row are you not like dissecting those games and those experiences and trying to figure out what you can do better the next time and then are you not anticipating that next game against the superior opponent more than you are the game against some other crappy team that you'll beat by 30 points every time <laughs> you know right it's yeah same yeah, right. thing yeah for sure yeah and yeah, and you know, like, and sometimes I think we all need those humbling experiences to keep us level, you know? Because um, we're, I mean, we're all human, man, you know? I, if, I, I, I can't with a straight face tell you I'm great at any one thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Come on. I, that's just not... That's not the kind of guy I am. Well, it's okay. But. So we're going to let other people say it then, right? Jimmy, oh, no, Her- no, no, Jimmy no, Herman's no, great at no, playing no, no, the fiddle. No, no, no. no, 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 no I'm no, saying no, it. I'm no. saying it, man. You're great at playing the fiddle. <laughs> well, I, I I appreciate it. But it's one of those things, like, you just keep striving and getting better. You know, it's, it's, I mean, that's why I love hunting so much is that it's the, it's the, it's the bumps and bruises that, Instead of instead of taking the wind out of you and wanting you want to quit, it's like you get excited to just get better. So, so let's go let's go here. Okay, you have obviously uh, accomplished quite a bit, you know, in your life professionally, and you are now, you know, you're moving in, you know, a professional circle that's at the very top of of your chosen field so yeah what's your what are your goals from here what are the things that Jimmy Herman would really like to do uh, as he looks out into the future and is like where, where can I go from here well um, I guess I have some goals of doing my own music you know um, writing some writing, writing more songs and um, recording some albums for sure um, that's a that's a goal of mine. And is it all country music, or do you have like a secret desire to go do like uh, some some other genres or something? Uh, I don't know. I'm you know I'm kind of into a lot of different genres uh, just because I play so many different instruments and uh, like I said, like my like my roots are like what I first started playing was polka music. You know what I mean? So I mean it could be. I mean it could be. Anything from polka to you know classic rock to you know Who, who's, know. who's the who's the artist that you're into that people would be surprised if they knew? Oh man, artists I'm into that people would be surprised. Gosh, man, I'll tell you, like Buck Owens is one of my favorite artists. Like he's a classic country guy. He's one of my all-time favorites. You know. Um, I don't know if people would be surprised. I guess if people didn't know me, they'd be surprised, right? I guess, but not anyone. You wouldn't surprise me, anyone that you would say from country music. I thought maybe you'd say like, uh, I don't know, some. Oh, like Justin Bieber. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like he's been a huge, like he's been like one of your biggest influences, and you actually like hang out with right. him on the weekends. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Like I'm like here. I'm coming out of the closet. Here's my here's my uh, fanboy. 
thing I listen to. Uh, there's really, I don't know. There's nothing crazy that I listen to. You know, like like when um, you hear, you know, like when Ed, when Bruno Mars sings a love song, you know, you just fall to pieces or something like that. I don't know. Oh yeah, hey, Bruno Mars is pretty great though. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, he's got some good stuff. <laughs> he's pretty great. Um. So, what about in the bow hunting side? You obviously, you know, you've got a whitetail background, uh, you know, back home in Wisconsin. You get to hunt whitetails yeah. there at home. Have you have you had some exciting adventures for other stuff? And is there, like, a trip or two that you kind of have on your bucket list that you're looking to make happen? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've hunted elk several times in the past and had some success. And I mean, if it's, if it's not whitetails, I mean, my, my, I definitely love elk hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as um, bucket list hunts, I mean, anything in Alaska is awesome. Um, Have you been up there? I kinda, I, you know, I've been up there and played. I've played with Carrie a few times, a couple times up there, but I've never hunted up there. Gotcha. So I need to make that happen. Definitely need to make that happen for sure. Cool. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I uh, I don't have anything, any bucket list stuff planned or anything. Like that. You know, I'm I'm like the king of winging it all the time. And I think any of my friends who listen to this would be like, oh yeah, for sure. He's a he like winging everything. Um, but there are some animals up, out there that I think would be pretty awesome to hunt. So you're up for you're up for whatever opportunities come down the pipe. In other words. Yeah, I'm always I'm always looking for opportunities. <laughs> and uh, so, and what does 20, 2018 hold in store musically? You guys um, going to have another big tour, or what's the plan? Yeah, I don't know as far as the touring stuff goes. I've just uh, been doing a lot of session work lately, and uh, like I said, I've been writing writing my own songs and recording some records, and uh, hopefully I'll be doing more of that this year. And you tell you what you do have, and you know we need to let people know um, you have some pretty badass T-shirts available. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, man. They're yeah, they're cool, right? Yeah, and uh, where can people find them? Okay, so they're on my website. If you just go to jimmyherman.com, they're on the web store there. And uh, yeah, you got to check them out. If you're listening, you got to go to jimmyherman.com. It's like. <laughs> You just got to see it to believe it. They're they're like awesomeness, and you got to have one. <laughs> yeah, everybody's got to have at least one. There's two. I mean, you should, yeah, people should have both of them, but if not, they should have at least one. You can have the one with all the giant critters. It's like giant, like grizzly bear, bighorn sheep, and an elk. And like elk, Jim, Jimmy, yeah. Jimmy's up on top of the mountain, like dominating everyone. And then the other one right. is, is like, if you want to go more like the superhero theme, there's like, I don't know, like a yeah, badass comic like, book Jimmy Herman. But he's shooting a Matthews, though. Uh, yeah, well, that was pretty point, you know. <laughs> well, but can't you get some new T-shirts? I, well, you know, it's 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 a it's one of those it's one of those designs that I don't think I can reproduce it any better. Yeah, it's too iconic. You better just stick with it. <laughs> right. I mean, you don't see many bow hunters sitting on a stack of like four twelve amplifiers on stage. So, I yeah, I'm just gonna leave it. Yeah. Did you ever bring it? Did you ever get to like take your bow and like blow something up by shooting it on stage or anything like that? Uh, I never have, you know, because I think Ted Nugent did it best. So, you know, I'll let let the legend keep that. You're going to let him have that shtick? Yeah, he can. Yeah, he can have it. All right. Well, 
Jimmy, I'll tell you what, man. It's uh, it's been an interesting conversation, and uh, it's always a pleasure to. Uh, we, you know, it was just like I was just torn the whole time. Like I wanted to really not talk about bow hunting and just talk about music the whole time, and I was like, that would be totally selfish to my listeners. So I guess we have to talk some bow hunting too. But I could probably have you back and kill you know hours and hours uh, picking your brain on all sorts of things. Oh my gosh, if we talked about music, I could talk for hours. If we talked about bow hunting, I could talk for more hours. So yeah, I mean, anytime, anytime, I'm up for it. Well, listen, I really appreciate it. Uh, like like you said, you know, check Jimmy out at jimmyherman.com. Uh, hopefully, you guys will be back out on tour at some point uh, in the near future. And if you happen to get to uh, Pennsylvania during the fall at any point, you certainly have my standing invitation to come climb in a tree stand uh, any morning that or, or afternoon that you happen to be in town. Awesome. I appreciate that. I'll take you up on it for sure. All right. Well, listen, man, Happy New Year to you. Uh, wish you the best of continued success and God bless. I appreciate it. You too. Take care. Thank you for listening to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, the official podcast of hardcore bowhunters. Pick up the latest issue of Peterson's Bowhunting on your local newsstand or check us out on the web at bowhuntingmag.com.